Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Gordon tells us about an unwelcome encounter with his dead father-in-law. And Lori tells us about a dead logger who looked for his wife and daughter for years after his death until she helped him find peace. Then there's Victoria, who shares her story of a long-dead pig, Edna June, who still watches over her ranch. Did you know a cafe in Anchorage, Alaska is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was blown to bits by a hired hitman? Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. These are just a few of the stories you will hear, and these stories just keep coming. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers and a charter member of Author Masterminds. I've been away from podcasting for a couple of weeks and I've really missed doing the show. I've been away because I had COVID, which in its early stages was bad enough, but as experts are finding, it just keeps going. So I developed a COVID rash, which was not a problem. I could actually work with that one. But then the foggy brain reported by many hit me. I couldn't concentrate, I could not think. I thought I had really developed early dementia. That went on for a few weeks. I'm happy to report that today I am much better thanks to a doctor who listened and gave me some great supplements. And more thanks to God for his healing hand being on me and for providing this doctor for me. I am telling you my listeners about this experience so you have hope if you develop these symptoms. There is help and you do not have to fight these after effects alone. Now onto the show. Although I usually have a guest to interview, that is not true today since I've been unable to reach out to potential interviewees. So I'm hoping you'll enjoy an experience I had several years ago and an article about the Overtown Bridge in Scotland. As the writer of supernatural thrillers, I've always been interested in the other side of the veil. When I branched out from writing and started this podcast, I didn't expect to be reminded of my own supernatural encounters while listening to my guests. Yet I was. Here's one of those events. When my husband and I were first married, my neighbor came by. A small black kitten appeared on her deck. She thought it was ill. We had cats, so she naturally came to us for help. I went to her house and saw this small black puffball. It cried up at me, and you know, that did it because I am a true animal lover. I scooped the kitten up and took it home. We already had two cats, Socrates and Pele. A third kitten was a bit overwhelming, so my idea was to take the kitten to the vet, ensure he was healthy, and find him a good place to live. A friend from work said she would take him. I was thrilled. My husband, on the other hand, was not. You see, he had fallen in love with this little black bundle who enjoyed walking his arms like a tightrope when John held them neck level. 
Long story short, we kept the kitten and named him Merlin. Merlin was a great addition. Oh, he was such a joyful addition to our household. The other two cats accepted him as if he'd always been a part of the crew. Merlin lived up to his name. If something got lost or misplaced, it was usually Merlin. He loved to make things disappear. He and Pele bonded. They slept together and played together. Socrates, the oldest and biggest of the three, was a true monarch. He loved the others, but didn't interact much with them. He ruled the roost. These three cats were sources of comfort, amusement, and joy for so many years. All of them lived to ripe old ages. Merlin, being the youngest, was the last to pass. I still remember the day he left the earth as if it were yesterday. It was an early summer morning in Alaska. The sun was shining. I was shocked from a deep sleep by a howl and immediately knew it wasn't a normal cat yelling for attention sound. This cry sent a knife into my heart. I went to the living room to see our sweet black cat turning circles in obvious distress. I didn't have to decide what I was going to do. I threw on my clothes, brushed my hair and teeth, grabbed my cat and went to the pet ER. They ascertained he was having strokes. My heart broke even more. The vet suggested it was time to put this sweet 19-year-old cat to sleep. I had to agree. To keep him on this earth would have caused him more pain than he deserved. It was a heart-rending decision. I do not know how to explain my feelings as I left the vet that morning without the kitten who had come into our lives 19 years before. Grief beyond words, guilt for having to make the decision to put him down, and sadness topped the emotional mountain. To double my sadness, my husband was an anchor point. I knew I would have to break the news to him later in the day. He was bonded to this cat. My heart broke for him too. I looked at the time. It was still too early to call, so I decided to try for some extra sleep, and if not sleep, at least some rest. As I lay in bed, the morning sun streaming into the bedroom, I closed my eyes. I felt a presence. More, I felt a small, warm body curl up on my pillow above my head. Over the years, you see, I frequently woke up with Merlin curled up above my head. He added enough warmth and pressure to comfort, but not be uncomfortable, and it was a lovely feeling. It felt like he came back one last time to tell me he was happy and whole again. Did I imagine this? Maybe. If I did, it was a true gift from God. I felt peace amid the sadness, and I could smile at the gift this small black cat, who I'd never really wanted to keep, way back in those 19 years ago. What a gift he had been for all the years. You might want to call this the animal show for me today because the next story I realize is about dogs. And this story caught my attention because it involves dogs and mysterious circumstances which occur with those dogs at Scotland's Overtown Bridge. Overtown Bridge has been dubbed the Dog Suicide Bridge. It is an innocuous looking structure, one that seems like many in Europe. It's got those beautiful arches and it's made of old stones. It's really a beautiful bridge, but innocuous. It just seems like a normal bridge. Local researchers estimated more than 300 dogs have sailed off the Overtown Bridge. Tabloid reports say it's 600. At least 50 dogs are said to have died. Overtown House and Overtown Bridge have an extensive and interesting story, none of which though seem to lend the bridge to becoming a paranormal phenomena. I'll just give you a little highlight on it. It's all very interesting. In 1959, a retired lawyer named James White bought Overtown Farm, 
with the purpose of building a mansion there. It was to be his retreat in the country. He first acquired 900 acres, then increased his land to 2,000 acres. White hired the architect James Smith, by the way, who's the father of the murder suspect Madeline Smith, another good story in and of itself. We may share another time. He hired this gentleman to design and construct a house. Overtown House was built between 1860 and 1863. Though Smith, the architect, died before the work was completed. The house was completed through one of Smith's partners. White's family began living in the mansion in 1862. James White owned the property for 22 years. In 1884, he died. His son John moved to the estate in 1891 after the death of James's wife. John White wanted to expand the property further by coming to an agreement with a local pastor, Reverend Dixon Swan, the heir to the adjacent Garshake farm lands. Under the deal, John White laid out the West Drive and its lodge. The eastern and western sides of the estate were split by a waterfall on the Overtown Burn. To connect the two sides, a road was built and the Overtown Bridge erected. For reasons this author does not understand, John White took the additional surname of Campbell and was elevated to the peerage as Baron Overtown in 1893. Since he died childless in 1908, he was succeeded by his nephew, Dr. Douglas White, a London-based general practitioner. John's wife, Lady Overtown, continued to live in the house until 1931. When it was left vacant, Dr. White, who seldom visited Scotland, gave the house to the people of Dumberton in 1938. During the Second World War, Overtown was turned into a convalescent home for injured soldiers and locals. The house remained mainly isolated and it was not damaged during the war. In 1947, Overtown was turned into a maternity hospital. A fire destroyed part of the house in 1948. Although there were no deaths and the hospital remained in operation until September 1st of 1970. In 1975, the British government decided to use the house as a base for its quality of life experiment. From 1978 to 1980, a religious group, the Spire Fellowship, utilized the home, and from 1981 to 94, the estate was used by a group named Youth with a Mission. This house fell into abandonment soon after Youth with a Mission left the area, but in 2001, Pastor Bob Hill from Fort Worth, Texas, leased the property from West Dumbartonshire Council to use it as a Christian center for Scottish youth. The house was used in the 2012 film, Cloud Atlas, where it doubled for the house of Vivian Ayers in the 1936 segment and the Aurora House in the 2012 segment. Regeneration, which was partially filmed in Overtown House, is a 1997 film adaptation of the novel of the same name by Pat Barker. The house was also used in Carol Emerald's 2013 video for I Belong to You. In October 1994, a man killed his baby son by throwing him over the Overtown Bridge. As far as I can tell, this is the only reported tragic death associated with this structure. Since 2005, there have been a number of media reports of dogs making what appeared to be a suicidal leap from it. This was attributed to supernatural influence or explained by the dogs being attracted by scents, then losing balance on the sloping parapet of the bridge. Looking for a rational explanation, some say the mink and other animals living near or under the bridge 
are the reason for the dogs taking this dangerous, possibly lethal plunge. Others say there haven't been any mink in the area for years. No one has been able to come up with a concrete reason for why these dogs are jumping. It is a true mystery. What I know is if I lived near Overtown Bridge, I would avoid walking my dogs anywhere near it. I would hope anyone else would be doing the same. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, go to maryannpoll.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash m-a-r-y-dash-a-n-n-dash-p-o-l-l. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.